Welcome to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. I want to speak from the subject 70 times 7. 70 times 7. I'm going to speak from the, uh, the subject of forgiveness this morning. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, I've been on a, a little bit of a personal journey in, in terms of forgiveness. And it all came about uh, when I saw a, a video and a, re- a response to a video uh, on social media about a story. So I'm just going to share that story. The story is of a, a young guy called Botham Jean who uh, was uh, in his home in America. He was in his home and he lived in the, uh, this block of flats. And uh, the flats are uh, rented and they're all furnished, so they all look the same. They look exactly the same. And both of Jean is at home and he's uh, in his flat. He's eating ice cream, watching TV. And uh, in comes a lady. Her name was Amber Geiger and she's a police officer. And she lives in these flats as well. And uh, she mistakenly thinks that Botham is in her flat. And uh, altercation takes place and uh, Amber uh, shoots Botham Jean and unfortunately he dies. And uh, it's such a tragedy and so there's court proceedings and everything takes place. And, uh, and uh, the family of Botham Jean get to speak uh, at the court hearing and, and uh, Botham's younger brother, he's 18 years old, his name is Brant and uh, the family would say this has hit him the hardest and, uh, and so Brant is on the stand and uh, there's this incredibly powerful moment of forgiveness and uh, Brant is on the stand and uh, he begins to talk to Amber and he begins to speak to her and he begins to say things like I want the best for your life. He even says, uh, I'm not sure I should say this in front of my family, but I'm not sure I want you even to go to prison because I believe there's a better life for you. And there's this incredibly powerful moment of forgiveness. So much so that Brandt, in his emotion and through his tears, asks the judge, can I uh, give her a hug? And then says, can I give her a hug, please? And in this moment, there's this powerful moment of when they hug each other. And it's just this powerful moment of forgiveness. And since watching that video, I've been on this journey of kind of discovering what did Jesus teach about forgiveness? (laughs) What was Jesus teaching about? And so I want to take you on some of that journey today. And so let's look at uh, Luke 17 and verse 4. And here's, here's my thing today is that actually we need to get good at forgiving others. We need to be good at receiving forgiveness. And we also need to be good at forgiving ourselves. And, uh, and so Luke 17 and verse 4, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this. Uh, so he's talking about, like he says, if your brother sins against you, all of that. And he says, if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. It's powerful. And then the uh, two verses in Matthew 18, verses 21 to 22, I'm going to read it from the screen in the NLT version. It says, then Peter, who is one of Jesus' disciples, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 
Like Peter, in, in Jewish law, uh, it'd be like three times, and then the fourth time, it'd be like, you can kind of like just get rid of them. But here, Peter's coming, and he's saying seven times, he's probably trying to make himself look good, that like, yeah, I'm, I'm going above and beyond, and Jesus completely obliterates it and says, no, it's 70 times seven. And so today, I want to share around this thought of 70 times seven, the act of forgiveness in our lives, and also show you the importance of the number seven. So let me pray and we'll get into this. Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you that we're here. And as we open our hearts to your word, that you would speak to us, that you would speak into our lives, every single one of us, and that we would walk out knowing your forgiveness for us, knowing your plans for us, and knowing the future that you have for us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Have you ever felt like you were missing something or something was not quite right? Like, uh, let me give you a few examples. You uh, get in the car, you start driving, and you think, there's something missing. I forgot something. Like, many a times I've, uh, I, I've, I've drove, been on my way, and realized I've forgotten my laptop. And thought, oh, no, what do I do? I have to turn around and, and get it. Or, or, or it could be simple as, like, uh, you're doing the keys and the phone pat down. Like, where are my keys? Where are my phone? Or, or, all of that. Or it could be... Uh, you go into a room for a specific reason, and then you walk in the room, and you're like, what did I come in here for? Okay, there's a few more honest people in the 11 than the 915. They were silent then. Or you're, you're having that conversation, and something pops in your head about the conversation. You think, that's brilliant. But the person you're talking to just doesn't shut up. And they're constantly talking, they're constantly talking, they're constantly talking, until they stop, and you're like, I've forgotten what I was going to say. Or you pick your phone up and it's like you get a notification, you click on the notification, but you've picked your phone up for a specific reason and then you go off the notification, you're like, why, why did I pick my phone up? What was it? Have you ever had that feeling that something's missing? I, I want to speak into that today, that actually that, that feeling of incomplete, that feeling of not being right, and much of that feeling is uh, of feeling incomplete is the incomplete spaces in our soul. It's the incomplete spaces in our soul. And sometimes we're not even aware of it until certain things happen in our lives. Like I I have lots of friends who would say, my life just doesn't feel right. Or my life, this feels like there's something missing. And I'm like, yeah, I know what that is. That's Jesus. But it's recognizing that. And many times there are things that can leave us feeling incomplete. I'm not not going to be the guy today that looks like directly at you and say, are you incomplete? Is there something missing in your soul? Do you need to forgive someone? I'm not going to be that guy today. But have you ever recognized that uh, in church life, uh, this can happen? Someone you've not seen maybe for a while, and they say, oh, can we... You know, can we go for coffee? We've not seen for a while. Yeah, yeah, we can go for coffee. And they, they invite you for coffee. And the first thing they say is, I just want to forgive you for offending me. And you're now offended because they said they were offended and uh, you know I want to forgive you because you called me ugly on a youth camp once and you're like my life that's crazy like and now you're offended because they were offended and it's like this circle and it goes around and round and all of that begins to happen and suddenly you're offended because there are all sizes of unforgiveness there are all sizes of bitterness there are all sizes of offense and in, this, in these two interactions with his disciples, Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And the number seven gets, gets used quite a lot. And there's a significance to the number seven, because the number seven in the Bible 
is, uh, is the number that represents wholeness and completeness. There are many different numbers in the Bible that represent something, but the number seven is this uh, number for completeness and wholeness. But here's what Jesus is not doing. Jesus is not giving Peter a math problem. Anyone love maths in the place? Yeah, we'll pray for you later. And uh, said the person who's like, hates maths, uh, always. But he's um, not giving a, a math problem. The point is not three times. I'll forgive three times. The point is not seven times. The point is not 70 times seven, which is 490. I did it on my phone calculator just before I got up, making sure I got it right. It's not 490 that it's like, I'm gonna, I, like oh, 490 times my mum has offended me 490 times today. She's not like my mum couldn't offend anyone. Um, but like, oh, that's it, right? She does it once more. That's it. Oh, this is 491, mum. That's it. That's it. It's done. It's over. No, forgiveness, hear what Jesus is saying. Forgiveness is about losing count. It's about losing count. You know, it's about forgiving all the way. And not just some of the way, but it's forgiving all the way. It might mean that I have to keep forgiving, that I forgive you today and I forgive you the next day and the next day and the next day because it's about losing count. 70 times seven, the point is this, that it's about completely forgiving. And the act of forgiveness is a response of whole people. Whole people who who feel complete. Forgiveness is one of the most mature things we can do. Like in, in church life, there are like I've been around church all my life, six months old, we started this church. So I've seen people come and people go. And one of the most mature things that I can see people do is forgiveness, to actually forgive. And, and there are people who have been Christian and followers of Jesus for a very long time. And yet someone who's new in their faith can be more mature because they have the ability to forgive than the other one who's been a follower of Jesus for like 30, 40 years. You see, the question that many people who follow Jesus ask is, am I maturing in my walk with Jesus? Am I maturing in my faith? Am I maturing in this spiritual life that I'm living? Am I maturing? Well, one of the best questions you can ask yourself is this, how good am I at forgiving? How good am I at forgiving? Is forgiveness something you act on on a regular basis? Because by forgiving, you will increase your wholeness. Because forgiveness increases wholeness. You see, we've been forgiven to forgive. Like Jesus, God, put on skin, came to earth. God incarnate came to earth and came to forgive us of all our sins. Came to forgive us of all our wrongs, all of our trespasses, as the Bible would say. He came to forgive us of all of that. He was willing to go to a cross for every single one of us. And we, we cease to exist without that forgiveness today. See, here's the power in that because there's that interaction on the cross between Jesus the Son and God the Father. And it's that interaction. It's a moment of prayer. And it, simply Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And many times I've looked at that in my life and I've looked at that and, and thought he's looking at all the soldiers who are hurting him. But maybe he was looking at me and my life and the, the very sins and the very wrong that I'm going to do in my life, past, present and future. And he was saying, hey, Father, forgive him for he knows not what he does. It's the past, present and future. It was complete forgiveness on the cross 
that that's what Jesus did for us. And when he said, it is finished, that was it. Forgiveness for each and every one of us. Complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness. You see, that's our message of forgiveness. And here's how we have to get good at receiving forgiveness. Because here's, here's the thing we do in response is we just have to accept it. We just have to accept it. That today, we just have to accept it. We don't have to do a 10-point, 10 10-week 10 uh, forgiveness course to actually then be forgiven. No, no, no. It's just today, knowing that Jesus forgave me of everything, past, present, and future, that it's completely forgiven, that it's all been forgiven. Today, all I have to do is I just have to accept it. I just have to accept it in my life because I've been completely forgiven. And that's where wholeness begins. Realising I've been completely forgiven. Paul, who's a writer to churches uh, in the New Testament, in our Bible, writes to a church in Colossians 3. And I'm going to read it from the screen, verses 12 to 14. I'm read it from the Message Bible. Because it says this, So chosen by God for this new life of love, Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even tempered, content with second place. That's hard for me. Quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. It's talking about Jesus there. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Look, there's a speed to forgiveness. It says quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. You see, there's a speed to forgiveness. See, if we're Jesus followers in this place, if you're not, you're kind of off the hook in this moment. But if you're a Jesus follower in this place, we're called to forgive quickly. I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I'm like, just give me some time. Just give me a bit of time. Like, I just need some time. Uh, let me just gather some of my brothers and sisters in Christ and let them lay hands and pray for me and let me tell them all of my offence and let me put my offence on them and let me be willing to do that. I don't know, maybe I just need to get some, uh, like put it out there on social media just so I get like people know like the hurt that I'm feeling and what's going on and all of that. Uh, I might forgive if they deserve it. I might forgive if, if they deserve it. Well, Jesus did the complete opposite. there's an interaction that we read in the Bible with Jesus and a woman that's caught in the act of adultery. I know it's good, isn't it, Roman? Jesus is caught in the act of adultery. Uh, Jesus isn't. The woman is. (laughs) Roman, you've put me off. Please scrap that from the recording. That was heresy right there. I should be stripped of, like, I'm no longer a pastor of Icon Church. I've got my P45 on the desk right now. A woman is brought before Jesus in the act of adultery. She's brought before Jesus. And there's this incredible interaction that takes place. The people say, hey, we should stone her. That's what the law tells us to do. And so Jesus says, yeah, you're right. So if you've got no sin, you throw the first one. One by one, they leave. Jesus is left with the woman. And he says to her, Uh, hey, where have your accusers gone? Where have your condemners gone? Uh, They've left. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. There's a better life for you. There's a whole life for you. There's a bigger life for you. There's more for you. So go and live a better life. There's a better life for you. But not once did Jesus say, you've been a naughty girl, haven't you? It's terrible what you've been doing. 
It's awful. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't do that. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus does the complete opposite. On the cross, he doesn't highlight all of our sins and put a showreel and say, look, look at everything I've forgiven. He just says, everything is forgiven. It's all gone. It's all gone. Jesus did the opposite. And the church in the world has an interesting narrative that actually I've got to come and I've got to get my life sorted and then I can come to church. But here we're changing the narrative that you can belong before you believe. You can come with all your baggage, baggage allowed in this place. Because guess what? Someone will take your baggage off you. Someone will free you but we're the church and that's what we are called to do we're called to forgive quickly because forgiveness has already been given you see forgiveness produces more wholeness Luke 6 and verses 27 to 29 Jesus again talking to his followers and he says this but to you who are listening I say love your enemies do good to those who hate you Bless those who curse you. That doesn't happen on Twitter. Pray for those who mistreat you. Like when did when did we become so opinionated on Twitter? Like when did we like when did we like become so like what did arguing ever do? Like let's love people, let's forgive people. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. Someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. I have a little joke with some of my football friends. I say, look, you've got two free shots. If we ever got in a fight, you got two free shots. You get one, I'll turn the other cheek, you got another. You've got to knock me out because then otherwise I'm in the game. (laughs) But that's not what Jesus was talking about. You see, to slap someone on the cheek in in those days in the Jewish culture would have been the biggest insult. And so Jesus is saying, like, think about what the biggest insult is today. And he's saying, let them do it to you again. Be unoffendable. Be unoffendable. Like, be completely unoffendable. You see, in, in today's culture, we, we take an offence, and then we take an offence to something, and then we think about justice, and we think, I've got to make a stand. I've got to make a stand, because I need to get justice. But actually, all it was was an offence, and you're making a stand for this. And it's not going to bring about justice, because here's what happens. Offended people just offend people. Hurt people just hurt people. And it's not true justice. If we're going to stand for justice, there won't be any offence in our hearts. But actually, we're going to stand for true justice that this needs to change, that something needs to move, something needs to improve. And so there's a difference between being offended and justice. There's a difference. And for those of us who are Jesus followers, we were forgiven whilst Jesus was on the cross. Whilst he was dying on the cross, we are forgiven. And so here's the thing. When we're insulted, we don't retaliate. Be unoffendable. Like, as the church, we've become so, like, offendable. But actually, we should just be, like, so unoffendable. Like, so much so that it's like, hey, like, you know, they're saying, water off a duck's back. I'm going to get on with my life. I'm going to walk in wholeness and completeness because it's those moments of unforgiveness that clog up our lives and stuff up our souls and all of a sudden we feel like something's missing or something's not right. And let me just paint some clarity here. Forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness is not trust. Trust has to be earned. See, there are wise things that we can do. We can set boundaries. That's prudent. There are wise things that we can do. There's caution in certain things, in certain interactions. Forgiveness is not trust. Trust has to be earned. But forgiveness does do this, that when I forgive, I release it. 
I'm releasing it from my life. No longer is this having a hold on my life. No longer is that person having a hold on my life, but I'm going to release it in the name of Jesus. Forgiveness is not advocating what happened. It's not advocating what happened. I told you that story before, right at the start of both and Jean. And, and you know, like I'm, I'm slightly like, I'm not going to say too much, but I slightly think there's a little injustice. She got 10 years in prison. Now, Brant is like, hey, I don't want you to go to prison. But I think, you know, there's a little injustice. But here's the thing. Forgiveness is not advocating what happened. It's not advocating what happened. It's not saying, oh, you were in the right. It's taking the offense and putting it in the hands of God. It's taking the offense and I'm going to put it in the hands of God. I'm not going to take it to all all, all my mates and every single other person. I'm not going to take it to all all the people who are Facebook friends. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it in the hands of God. And though it might seem like an injustice or it might might have offended me or it might be wrong. No, I'm going to take it and put it in the hands of God because he's the ultimate judge. He's the one who can see freedom. He's the one who we need to put it in. Forgiveness can't be demanded. Like, you know, you're a Christian, you've got to do it. Yeah, we have, but you can't demand that of me. Only Jesus can, because he forgave me on the cross. Only Jesus can call me to that, because he forgave me on the cross. It can't be demanded. But here's the thing, we still forgive. We still forgive. Trust has to be rebuilt. Boundaries put in place. I'm not talking about legalities, but here's why I'm so bold in this message. Because I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me. Um, so about two weeks ago, I saw that video and, and uh, kind of took me on this journey of forgiveness because I was like, that was powerful. I want to know that power in my life. And so I went on this journey and the other day I, was, uh, I, I, saw, I saw someone who I'd been to school with 18 years ago, not seen them for about 18 years. Okay. And we literally had a five minute interaction. And in that five minute interaction, I did not want to be there. I didn't want to talk to them. And there was nothing about like a boundary, like being prudent or like a caution, being wise or anything. Just something was churning in me. And I I walked away and I was like, why did I feel like that? Why in that moment did I feel like I was clogged up, something was churning, I was just off? And then I realized what happened like 18 years earlier and how they treated me in school. And I went, I've carried that for 18 years, not knowing But as soon as that encounter happened, boom, it comes out, unforgiveness. I had to get in my car and I had to begin to forgive the person. I had to forgive them and release it from my life. I'm not going to meet up with them for a coffee and tell them I've forgiven them because they probably don't know that I needed that. That's probably wise not to do that at times. But here's the thing, I had to release it. And so this is what started this journey. Because in that interaction, I thought, who's hurting here? Not them. It's me. I don't feel whole. I don't feel complete. You know, John writes in uh, 1 John, 2 John, or 3 John, I can't remember which it is. Read it, go home, read your Bible, it's good for you, kind of thing. He says, hey, I hope that you will prosper as your soul prospers. I'd hope you'd be in health as your soul is in health. You see, in that moment, my soul wasn't in health. It wasn't complete. It wasn't whole. There was something clogging it up. And in that moment, I had to release forgiveness. That's why it's so powerful that forgiveness brings about wholeness and forgiveness is not about keeping count. So I I wonder today if we could participate in the act of forgiveness. Participate in that act. You're like, yeah, Nathan, it's hard. It is hard. 
true if I don't fix my eyes on Jesus. That whilst dying on the cross, to put it bluntly, suffocating in his own blood, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And then said, it is finished, completely forgiven. You see, we can be clever. We can be clever in church. We know that we can't carry a large forgiveness, but we can have little unforgiveness. We don't, we don't carry a large unforgiveness, but we can carry little unforgiveness. And so to finish my message, I just want to re- read a story to you about a, a girl called Corrie ten Boom. And uh, Corrie ten Boom was uh, in Holland and, uh, whilst the war was going on. And so I'm going to read this story. And this is her uh, telling her story. It says this, It was in a church in Munich that I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man in a grey overcoat a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I'd just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to, def- to defeat Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favourite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence, in silence collected their wraps, in silence left the room. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the centre of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take the hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to also return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. 
those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand, I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. A forgiveness from God that knows no bounds. Just like he did, we are recipients and benefactors of that love for each and every one of us that knows no bounds. The question this morning is, will we withhold that forgiveness from others? Will we withhold it from others? Because as we forgive, I wonder if we could experience God in a way like we've never experienced him before. We could experience that warmth and that love like never before. You see, I don't want to just attend church and just listen to podcasts and buy church merch. I want to be a forgiver and a forgiver of people completely. I'm putting all of that offense into the hands of a God who is just. I want to be a forgiver fast and I want to experience more and more completeness in my life. So let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you forgave each and every one of us. And today that you you would give us the strength and the courage to be people who are forgivers. Forgive us quickly. Forgive us completely. Because we've known that forgiveness. I thank you today that all past, present, future, all of our sin has been completely forgiven on the cross. And as we're responding, heads bowed and eyes closed, today you want to receive that forgiveness in your heart. You want to know that forgiveness from Jesus in your life, to know that you're forgiven completely today. You've never made that decision before to accept the forgiveness of God. Then this, this is your moment. This is that moment to accept that. Or today you've accepted that before, but you would say, I need to accept that again to get my life right with God again and to accept that forgiveness again in my heart. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to count to three in a moment. That's you. I'd love you to raise your hand saying, yeah, that's me, Nathan. I want to receive that forgiveness today. So as I say three, that's you. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. I don't usually do this, but just in this moment of response, still head bowed, eye closed. Don't usually do this, but I wonder if today you need to forgive. Maybe it's an offense or something in your heart and you need to forgive. You need to participate today in the act of forgiveness. Then in this private moment with God, I'm going to ask you to respond because I think there's power in response. There's a power when we make a decision, but we respond to that. And today you would say there may be something unfig- there may be some unforgiveness and I want to receive that complete wholeness and I need to forgive somebody today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, that's you today. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. 
that today you want to give forgiveness. So that's you. Just raise your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you see every heart and life. You see everyone responding. And I pray right now that you give them the strength and courage to forgive, that as they make the decision today to forgive, that they would know the love and the complete and the wholeness of you in their souls right now, God. So we ask your Holy Spirit to be at work. In Jesus' name, amen. Those are the hands raised, can pop them down. Let's stand and we're gonna pray this prayer and then we'll sing a refrain of the song. And let's pray this. Let's declare in our lives we've been forgiven of all our sins. And so we're completely forgiven today. So let's pray this after three. One, two, three. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and confess that I need you. Please come into my life and forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, be my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for giving me a brand new star. Today, I open my life to you. Amen. Let's be a people who are forgivers in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.